We are live. How's that sound? That sounds great. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I wanted to let I wanted to let our audience know about our new uh, mic hack. So <laughs> we've noticed that since we've been doing these Zoom recordings of our podcast, since we're in our own separate bubbles right now, that I'm very, very loud and Jenny is very, very quiet. <laughs> so I, you know, usually you could put like a little floofy thing on a mic to kind of... Um, and that's the technical term. Yeah, floofy thing. What is it really called, Jenny? <laughs> well, a mic, a mic cover. I actually cover? don't know. I don't know. I know there's the windscreen, but this is different. Yeah, yeah this, this is kind. Of, maybe you have a windscreen. That's what you're just. Yeah. So, so what what is happening right now is I'm actually wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a pretty thick mask too. Oh yeah, yeah. An N95. I've donned it properly, so it's got a nice seal. <laughs> which I test through um, trying to smell essential oils. And if I can't smell them, then I know I've got a good seal. So in effect, we have put the mic cover over my mouth. That's what we're doing. And that hopefully will be easier in post for me. So today is a wild card day, Tate. Yes. We don't know what's going to happen here. No. We are under... Um, you know, we're doing a lot of prep for our retreat because we are leaving in less than a week, six days for our retreat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got a lot of things going on at the same time. So there's always that fun last minute prep and packing. And then we've got our schools program growing. Um, you know, I think that's something really exciting. Our feedback from oh. the survey we did at Evanston Township High School. I think yes, that's yes, worthy. Yes, share that. Uh, so we surveyed teachers who are worked, teaching the rebel human practices to approximately 3,600 students at Evanston Township High School. And 92% of teachers say students are more focused and ready to learn after they teach a rebel human practice. 96% of teachers say students are calmer and less stressed, anxious after they do a rebel human practice. And 100% of teachers say rebel human practices have had a positive impact on students' well-being. Mm. Makes me kind of want to cry because <laughs> I'm so happy that we are having a positive impact. Yes. That's really all I ever want in life is to <laughs> use my <laughs> use my experience and my skill set that I have worked on developing to be helpful in some way to people in the world. And it's just great to get this feedback that the teachers are seeing a difference. Absolutely. It's really exciting. And it's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we're just in one school right now, but talking to several others. And I know we're just going to keep spreading it. So as many students can get it as possible. And I know I really would have loved to have this when I was in high school. Yes, and it's just, uh, I love how I've talked about this before, but I love that we've really broken it down into these 
fundamental skills that you can learn that have a real impact on your physiology, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How you're feeling in your body, um, your self-concept, and your emotional state. Um, and it's not overly complicated. Um, it's, it's simple and clear, and they are little things you can do throughout your day to make a big change. Mm-hmm. And that's what really sets our program apart from any other school wellness program out there is that we're teaching them to have the control. So it's not dependent upon a particular quiet room or meditation room or a particular video or a particular app. They're learning the skills so that they can turn any of their five dials, one or all at any given time out in the world, out on their own. Um, And we've talked about the five dials at length here on this podcast, so we don't need to go into that completely. Jenny? Yeah? I I feel like the mic is a little hot. Too hot? You might might have to back off the mic a little bit. So we've overcorrected from the last podcast. You might need to Uh, Back it up. Back it up. Back it up a little bit. Back it up a little bit. There we go. I hope that was salvageable. Oh better? yeah, I mean, okay. isn't isn't your motto that nothing gets deleted? <laughs> Everything right. is salvageable. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I have a really hard time just trashing content that we've created, whether it's something we've written, recorded. I love it. <laughs> um, so this week in class, we our theme was anxiety. Do we want to talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. When we talked about anxiety and in particular in connection to one of the seven skills that build equanimity which is the beginner's mindset that curiosity so how we if we can stay in the beginner's mindset and take that step back like we're the anthropologist investigating inquiring about the anxiety or into the anxiety then we create that little bit of space so that we aren't carried away in the sensations or the emotions, but we're able to learn from it. Like, what is this anxiety telling us right now? So we worked on that in class, you know, through breath work, regulating the nervous system, then having that space where we can look in and say, hey, hmm, interesting. I feel that tightness in my chest. I feel the shortness of breath. Hmm, let me just stop for a moment and see what's going on here. Let's feel it. Let's ask it what it needs. Um, so that the beginner's mindset really comes into play with so many things, and anxiety is just one of them. I, I find that incredibly helpful. I tend, um, and we should say that, of course, if you've got an uh, acute anxiety disorder in your experiencing panic attacks, taking that step back might not work for you. You might need um, more of an acute intervention. And Mm -hmm. so obviously caveat that, Um, but just this sort of like free floating anxiety that a lot of us experience throughout our days, it can be really helpful instead of um, pathologizing it and being like, 
oh, uh, here I am stuck in this or spinning even more into it is to take that step back and be like, oh, this is interesting. What is this? What does this mean? And I remember you saying in class that sometimes what anxiety is telling us is that we need more information. Mm-hmm. Um, and that reminded, you know, okay, I'm going to go back to the body budget again, Jenny. Mm-hmm. And my, Love the body budget. And my favorite clinical psychiatrist slash neuroscientist, Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett, whom mm-hmm. I've talked about all the time, but she has this theory about anxiety and depression and mental illnesses in general, and also chronic pain, I think, falls in there, that it is this misprediction of the brain. So it's, um, okay, so let's take a step back. Imagine that you are hanging out and you see like your boss, or like if you're a kid, a teacher, like walking towards you. Your brain is going to predict that you need some fuel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is part of like your survival circuits or your stress response so that you can prepare to have this interaction with this important person whom maybe you're a little afraid of. But then it turns out that they just walk past you. So that was a misprediction. Your body um, expended some resources unnecessarily preparing you for something that didn't happen. And now that's a normal occurrence. And most of us can just kind of overcome that. It just happens occasionally. Our body budget gets thrown out of balance. We get some sleep, we eat some food, we're fine. Okay. But for others of us, or for those of us who have had like lots and lots and lots of stress, let's say, if you grew up in, uh, you know, during wartime or in a, a dangerous household or in a dangerous neighborhood, you're going to be chronically um, uh, in the red. Your body budget is going to be in the red. It's going to be expending all of these resources and not having enough time to balance itself back out. And so when you are in the red, Um, debt collectors come. And the (laughs) debt collectors in your body is your immune system, right? So these pro-inflammatory cytokines are, are released in your body because you're in the red and it needs to fix it. Well, it turns out that all of that, those like inflammatory processes actually damage the introceptive network in your brain. The introceptive network in your brain is responsible for collecting information from your body and coming up with really good predictions for what it needs. Mm -hmm. So it becomes this chronic cycle of misprediction. You've got this inflammation. It damages these important networks in the brain that allow it to understand what the body needs and match it to the situation you're in. Um, And so her hypothesis is that anxiety and depression and, and chronic pain is all a result of this, you know, misprediction. And especially with anxiety, there's 
almost too much uncertainty and too much prediction error and your brain can't resolve it. So it's always expecting somebody to be jumping out, you know, from something terrible to be right, you know, around the corner. So you're in this heightened state of preparing unnecessarily Mm -hmm. that continues to push you into the red, creates this inflammatory response. So I just, I think that's interesting because when you said you don't have enough information, it's almost like the brain is not able to process the information properly. Mm -hmm. And there's too much error, too much prediction error. So um, there's this neat overlap between, you know, her theory that has to do with the body budget um, and what you talked about is like, incorrect information or not enough information mm-hmm. and there's like so many levels of this in different scenarios so like the situation that you're talking about seems like someone who has this just constant nebulous cloud of anxiety all yes. the time um and it's not really it's it can't pinpoint a specific thing person event or project that's causing it it's no just that's constant... it's this that's why i'm like it's a like this free floating anxiety yeah, right yeah and and the reset has to come from a physiological reset yeah right we have to there's some action we have to take to and to change our physiology for a while to kind of reset that and have a new way of being in the world. Yeah. And to allow the interoceptive networks in your brain to heal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and what helps that? Meditation, getting mm-hmm. quiet. Um, and then all the other things that we always talk about, eating nutritious food, watering yourself, getting sunshine Sleep. in your eyebrows, <laughs> sleep, non-sleep, yes. deep rest, yes, long, slow, deep diaphragmatic breaths. All mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. helps to reduce inflammation and repair those interoceptive networks so everything can work together properly. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about the situations where you might be anxious because you don't have enough information, it's real specific situations where you can actually pinpoint a person place or project that is the cause of anxiety you know for we're we're talking about students a really simple example is you know high school student who has a project coming up and it's due in two months and they're already anxious about it and it's in that case, probably because they don't have enough information, maybe they should go talk to the teacher and find out more about the parameters, go to the library, see what kind of resources they're dealing with, um, you know, map out the timeline, have a better sense of the kind of work that it's going to take and how that spreads out across the two months. So that's the kind of information gathering that could then set them at ease to relieve anxiety. So it's a, a different kind of case. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But Yet there's this interesting connection between the two, mm-hmm. which has to do with information. Um, but I have definitely experienced uh, this sort of free-floating anxiety, but also anxiety because I didn't know what was expected, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to ask the question. And so I just made assumptions or, and then you just construct a reality that 
is not accurate. <laughs> and then there's, you know, stuff that we truly have no control over, that uncertainty that we've, everyone has had to get better at living with over the last two years. Anyone who's um, been through divorce, anyone who's had like food or housing insecurity, I mean, big uncertainty where there is absolutely no way you can predict and you have to find a way to regulate your nervous system despite knowing that, you know, a huge hammer could drop at any moment. And that's when we get into having to do some really deep work and finding a way to feel at home and safe in your body because at the end of the day, that's the only thing you know is certain is like you being in your body. And if everything yes. else around you could blow up, <laughs> you still have to have a way to feel safe in any given moment in our body. And I, so, you know, we talked about these five dials and um, something else that we have as like a foundation for everything we create is this idea that, um, happiness and health and being able to look back on your life is somewhat related to being resilient, um, having equanimity, and then experiencing moments of transcendence. And I would say for me, what you were talking about, you know, needing to find some deep grounding and comfort just in your own body. I don't know, maybe you can help me connect these two things. But for me, I then also think of feeling this sense of transcendence or this sense of connection to something greater than me. And mm -hmm. that brings me comfort as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we need sources of comfort to just get by, um, to not pull our hair out or put our head in the sand and or have you know an existential crisis to find any meaning or purpose we have to be able to tap into transcendence which you know is allows us to connect with something that is beyond our finite self and that could be even tapping into our own deep wisdom just having this concept this idea that oh wait there's a part of me that's so wise and strong and beyond ego, beyond fear is indestructible. Um, that can have a moment of transcendence and comfort. Mm -hmm. um, tapping into your well of creativity can um, open up fonts of innovation and different ways of seeing things. And I mean, all these things can happen, but we have to make space in our schedule for that to happen. We have to make space in our mind for those things to happen. And what gives me a lot of hope is that these are things or skills or competencies that can be developed. So I probably 20, 30 years ago, I thought, well, you, you either have that ability or you don't. 
And now I would say through personal experience and then just interacting with lots of other people, yeah, perhaps you're, you're, you're born with a little bit more or less of, of these things, but regardless, you can develop them. You can develop this sense of feeling connected to something greater than you. You can develop equanimity. You can become more resilient. And that to me is um, there's a lot of hope in that. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's been through a crisis um, knows that you've come out the other side and been like really forced to find your resilience, forced to find something bigger than yourself. Um, knows that. However, we we'd like to not have to go through something um, life-threatening, life-altering in order to access that. So that's why we teach these things proactively. And that's why we have other arms of our business that also recognize that there are huge social disparities in health and wellness related to race, class, gender, sexual orientation, right? So Mm -hmm. we, we are, are, working on on that as well. So we understand that this is just not like a personal individual, but there are structural things. But regardless, you know, developing these skills, even in an unfair world that we're working to make more fair, can be useful and helpful. Yes. So I have to hop off soon. We're at 20 minutes. I've had enough of you, Jenny. <laughs> I, I have to move on. Yeah, so many things to do. So many things. We had to no, pack so, for this retreat. Do we have anything funny or? Uh-oh. We're at that part where we have yeah. to find something funny. I know. And <laughs> it's a hard time right now, Tate. I, don't know, I, know, I know. I know. I know. Oh. I started watching Ted Lasso. Oh, so good. And that is funny. That is hysterical. That's a great, so hopeful and light and lovely place. Yeah, so maybe everybody just has to go find the funny by watching some Ted Lasso. Lasso. I highly (laughs) recommend it. I I didn't think I was going to like it. I'm not much of like a comedy person. I like to watch... um, dreary dreadful dystopian. things yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> um or documentaries about terrible things um so i'm like oh i'll give it a try and i loved it yeah so funny yeah i i love that it's just he has an optimistic yet um kind of neutral view of things like he really stays neutral he doesn't get he's unflappable (laughs) (laughs) and resilient very he he might be a rebel human i think he might be yes well i'll call him and let him know okay thank you yeah i'll take care of that all right signing off join us at therebelhuman.com. I'll put it in our show notes. You can sign up to get on our Rebel Human Report weekly newsletter. You can find us on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel where we have lots of sound baths if you're interested in that. And also put the link to our schools program in the show notes. So we will catch you later. Take care.
Yeah. 